Little Leaders, Visionary Women Around the World by Vashti Harrison. Sister Corita Kent, 1918-1986, Artist, Educator, from the United States of America. Like any young artist, Frances Kent loved to draw, read and make things. But Frances also came from a very religious family, and from a young age she knew she wanted to become a nun. At 18, she entered the Roman Catholic Religious Order at the Immaculate Heart of St. Mary's in Los Angeles. All sisters chose a new name that included Mary. So she chose Sister Mary Corita and became known simply as Corita, which means little heart. But there was nothing little about the amount of beauty and love she wanted to share with the world. She earned her undergraduate degree at Immaculate Heart College and took art classes at the nearby Otis Art Institute and the Chouinard Art Institute. Later, she earned her master's degree in art history and began teaching art at Immaculate Heart, often challenging her students in her popular classes with unexpected assignments. In her early days, Corita used mainly watercolours and focused on religious subject matters. But after she saw the artist Andy Warhol's famous Campbell's soup cans, she was inspired to approach her work in a more pop art style. While Warhol's work was seen as a comment on consumerism, Corita was interested in using mass market imagery as a way to reach people with her messages of love and compassion. She made posters using popular brands such as Wonder Bread as symbols of the wonder of the gospel. In the 1960s, her work became more political as the civil rights movement and the war in Vietnam shook up the United States. From images of Martin Luther King Jr., to verses from the Bible, Corita used her art to draw attention to social injustices around the world. In her long career, she created hundreds of prints and thousands of watercolours. Corita was best known for her serigraphs, a type of silkscreen print. She created bold, graphic images. Perfect for sending her bold messages of love and peace.
Esther Afua Aklu, 1919-2002, Entrepreneur from Ghana. Although Esther came from an underprivileged family in what was then the British colony of the Gold Coast, she grew up learning farming and trade skills that would one day lead her to great success. With her family's encouragement and a scholarship, Esther attended a prestigious school in the capital, Accra. After graduation, she needed to make money to support herself. Her aunt had given her ten shillings, less than one US dollar, but through determination and skill, Esther turned it into much more. With six of her shillings, she bought supplies, sugar, oranges, used jars and firewood for cooking, and developed her own marmalade recipe. She sold each jar for one shilling, earning back her money with the profit. Her plan worked out even better than expected. She was offered a contract to provide juice and marmalade to her old school, and later another contract to the military. Esther couldn't maintain production by herself, so she secured a bank loan to grow her business. In 1942, she opened the first food processing plant in Ghana, Nkulunku Industries. It still ships marmalade and other food products all around the world. To develop her food science and cooking skills, Esther went to study in England. When she returned home in the 1950s, around the time Ghana declared independence, she worked hard to help her country grow. Remembering the impact her loan had had on her business, she wanted to help local women improve their lives as well as contribute to the economy. In 1976, along with Michaela Walsh and Ella Batt, she founded Women's World Banking, WWB, a non-profit organisation that works with financial institutions to provide microloans, small loans with low interest, for women who need help to grow a small business. WWB has given out millions of dollars in loans and has helped more than 30 million women around the world. In 1990, Esther was awarded the Africa Prize for Leadership, the first woman to win, and she is celebrated as a pioneer and advocate for women. Monia Shahrudi Farman Farmayan, 1924-1924 to 2019, visual artist from Iran and the USA. As a child, Munir didn't consider herself an artist. She learned to draw from copying postcards of famous paintings just to pass the time. Her art tutor was impressed with her skill though and urged her to keep working at it. Munir had never received encouragement like that before and soon she was hooked. She studied art at the University of Tehran, 
and in 1945 went to art school in New York City, where she visited museums and saw the paintings she knew only from postcards. In 1957, Munir returned to Iran with a fresh outlook. She was filled with newfound respect for her country's traditional art forms, architecture, reverse glass painting and Turkoman jewellery. Visiting the Shah Shiraz, King of the Light Mosque in Shiraz, was a major turning point in her career. Like many mosques, it features elaborate geometric forms, a domed ceiling and elegant ornaments, but the Shah Chirah also has thousands of tiny mirrors in its tilework. The walls glisten and gleam as they reflect the environment and people. Astounded by its beauty and believing there were infinite possibilities in the geometry, Munir was inspired to make the mirrors into the world and reflect life in Iran. Some of her most famous pieces were mirrored balls. Many people mistook them for disco balls, but she had actually been inspired by children playing with a football in Tehran. She wanted to create a mirrored mosaic on the surface of an object that represented youth and light. Monir spent more than 20 years in exile in the United States, unable to return to Iran after a political and religious revolution started there in 1979. Much of her work and her personal collection had been confiscated or destroyed. She finally made it home in 2014. In Tehran, she continued to make art, and there's a museum dedicated to her body of work. Monir is celebrated as a visionary artist for her ability to see a story and culture in elegant geometry. Marshweta Devi 1926-2016 Writer, activist from India Masweta was born into a large family in India's Bengal region when the country was still under British rule. Her father was a poet, her uncle was a filmmaker and her mother was a writer and social worker. Though she grew up firmly middle class Nearly everyone in her family dedicated their work to helping India's poor and marginalised. It wasn't long before Mahashweta would do the same. Mahashweta began writing at the age of 13. In her early days, she wrote love stories but never showed them to anyone. At the University of Calcutta, she studied English and later she became a professor and worked as a reporter. At 30, Mahashweta published her first novel, The Queen of Jansi. Inspired by the true story of a 19th century queen turned warrior. She travelled all across northern India, talking with villagers and listening to their versions of the Jansi legend. She wanted to capture what the story meant to them, as they had passed it down from generation to generation. 
At the time, Bengali literature focused mostly on the middle class, so it was radical for Mahashveta to shine a literary light on India's poor and disenfranchised. She was particularly passionate about telling the stories of India's indigenous peoples, many of whom had been demonised by the Criminal Tribes Act. Once, a young tribal girl told her that in school they learned about Indian heroes and other figures, and she asked, Did we have no heroes? This solidified for Mahashweta why it was important to share these stories, to give a voice to the voiceless, and offer representation to those without it. She wrote more than a hundred novels and twenty collections of short stories. She was given countless awards, but never felt any of them reached her heart as the people did. Mahashweta used her platform to comment on injustice, inequality and women's rights, and worked hard to help all those around her. Little Leaders Visionary Women Around the World by Vashti Harrison